But first, nearly 200 new laws will go into effect in Illinois in just a couple of days. They'll impact everything from minimum wage to safety in schools to HIV prevention drugs. We are not going to attempt to name all of them. But joining us to break down the highlights is WBEZ State House reporter Alex Stegman. Hey, Alex. Hey, Natalie. How's it going? Good. 2022 has been a big year for workers' rights in Illinois, and you've been following a law that aims to guarantee workers one day off a week. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this was something that was spearheaded by Lakeisha Collins of Chicago. Essentially, it outlines penalties for employers if they violate the one-day rest of the Seven Act. Basically, people are required to have at least one day off for each seven consecutive days they work. And I didn't really, thinking back about this when I first heard about this, I was thinking back about this when I first entered the workforce about 20 years ago or so. And I would get a day off every week, but some weeks that would be Tuesday, and then the next week that might be Saturday. So I didn't really have a day off for 12 days, and that's still happening quite a bit. So basically what this says is if you have fewer than 25 employees, each instance where this is violated, you'll be fined up to $250, and that goes to the state. But then you're liable to pay up to a $250 fine directly to the employee that was affected. So an offense in this instance means each day an employee works beyond six days without getting a day off or every time they work and they don't get a meal break as required by the law. And this says you need at least 20 minutes, no later than five hours after you start your shift. And then if you work past seven and a half hours, you get another 20 minutes. And four and a half hours after that, you get another 20 minutes. And for businesses that have more than 25 employees, the fines and everything, it's all the same, all the same parameters, but they go up to $500 to the state and $500 to the employee affected. Are there any loopholes here? Do you have to be a union member? Can this be public or private industry? Is any type of business exempt from this? It looks, at least the way that I'm reading the bill, there doesn't appear to be. I'm not 100% sure on that, but looking at the bill, the way it's written, it doesn't say anything about certain types of employees or certain exemptions or anything like that. So I believe it affects everybody. Okay. Let's talk about finances. Illinois is on track to establish a $15 minimum wage by 2025. What changes will we see in the new year? Right. The statewide minimum wage is going up to $13 an hour on Sunday. So if you're a tipped employee, it's a little bit different. That goes up to seven eighty. But if you don't make $13 an hour with tips, the employer has to make it up. Now, if you're younger than 18 and you work fewer than 650 hours a year, there's a little loophole here. Your minimum wage is going up to ten fifty an hour. It's a little bit different in Chicago. The city raised its non-tipped minimum wage to fifteen forty this summer. For businesses with more than 21 employees, the tip minimum in the city is now 924. Uh, the rest of Cook County's minimum wage is a little bit higher than the rest of the state. It went up to 1335 this summer, and the tip wage in the rest of Cook County outside of Chicago is in line with the state. That's also going to be at 780. A lot of us have spent this year tracking gas prices, and we've seen a little bit of drop at the pump. But what will 2023's budget mean for our receipts at the gas pump? I still have whiplash from the gas prices yeah. this year. I, I'm, I'm not joking. But the yearly gas tax increase was postponed this summer when I think a gallon of regular unleaded down the street from me in Springfield was around 540, something like that. It was a lot higher in Chicago. But uh, this was part of a pre-election package of tax savings that included not only this, suspending the gas tax for a little bit, but also suspending the 1% tax on groceries and expanding the earned income tax credit. But come Sunday, the tax increase on gas goes into effect. It's going to go up by 3.2 cents a gallon, which means that Illinois' total gas tax will be around 42.4 cents a gallon. And that is 
higher, but quite a bit higher than a lot of our neighbors. Compare that to this year's taxes in Wisconsin, which are about 31 cents a gallon. Indiana's at 33, and Missouri, um, they're at 22 right now. Let's talk about schools now. Uh, and schools and students will see some changes in 2023. A number of bills are addressing safety in schools. Can you tell us what those are going to do? Yeah, there's a few of these. So one of them is a bill that requires schools to teach about safe gun storage. And lawmakers say that this is a really important thing to do in a state like Illinois because most of the state's agricultural, most of the land area is, and a lot of kids go hunting here. Uh, Plus, a lot of people have weapons at home. I mean, how many stories have we heard in the past of kids playing with unlocked weapons and somebody gets hurt or worse, somebody gets killed? Uh, That's largely what uh, this bill is looking to avoid here. There is another one that passed both chambers that adds penalties for drivers who violate laws in a school zone. And the penalty that they're adding is community service. So right now, if you're convicted of driving dangerously in a school zone, that means if you're going faster than 20 over in a school zone, or if a bus is stopped and it has its flashers on and kids are debussing, or is that a word, debussing? Well, if you whip around the bus while they're doing that, it is $150 fine for the first offense and $300 for the second. But this law keeps those in place, but also adds community service. And it doesn't specify what type that is. It just leaves it up to the judge to determine how much to give you. Let's see. There's also a uh, safe-to-help hotline for students and school staff. Now, that is a 24-hour tip line that people can call across the state to give information about uh, students or staff members that may want to harm themselves, if there's tips about that, or maybe threats of harm from other people against students or staff members, like threats of violence against people. Um, CPS already has its own version of this in place. It's called the Violence Prevention Tip Line, and this law uh, indicates that CPS will have to work with the state to share information. So, for example, if the state gets a tip about something in Chicago, they'll forward it and vice versa. Um, School board members starting uh, in this upcoming school year, so starting around August or so, uh, they will have to be what's known as trauma-informed. Lawmakers have been working on this one for a while. They first started working on this in 2021, and it passed in 2021, but it has an effective date coming up Sunday. They gave a little bit more time for implementation. So school board members statewide will need to be well-versed in things like how to recognize trauma in students and staff, uh, how it might affect their behavior and learning, the prevalence of trauma in their districts, how widespread is this, and then also recognizing the effects of implicit or explicit bias when they're trying to figure out, is this trauma connected to race or ethnicity or gender, orientation, socioeconomic status, uh, any number of factors. There's a bill that could affect Chicago public school, high school district boundaries. What does that entail? So this says that every five years, CPS needs to uh, reevaluate its high school district boundaries based on demographics and enrollment. And the city's Department of School Demographics and Planning is the one that's going to, that this is going to fall to them. They're going to have to propose new boundaries. If, if needed, they'll have to propose new boundaries for uh, high schools before the school year starts. And it mandates that the idea be posted on CPS's website uh, w- within a short time frame after the report's accepted. And then public hearings will have to be conducted. So they're really trying to put into this law the fact that if there are going to be boundary changes made, then the public's going to have to know about it. And if there are suggestions, um, the department needs to also prove that they um, looked at other alternatives before coming to this conclusion and then provide the data to explain why um, everything needs to happen the way it does and things like that. Do you happen to know why or who was advocating for this change? 
you know, sorry, I don't. I don't have that information. I apologize. Oh, no problem. Let's just talk about health care next then, because several bills are requiring health insurance to cover procedures and screenings in Illinois. Who stands to benefit? Well, if you need medically necessary breast reduction surgery, um, you, as of January 1st, 2024, if you have a state-regulated private insurance plan, um, it'll be required to cover that. So if you renew or so if you renew or amend or get a new policy starting in 2024 this will be required to cover that um the law takes effect on sunday but insurance companies um it, it was it was originally supposed to take effect on sunday but it, there were some changes made during this legislative session and now there's a little bit of lead up time so um insurance companies have some time to prepare and all of the things that i'm talking about these are all going to be effective uh for policies starting in january of 24 um if you need hormone therapy treatments if you have induced menopause from a hysterectomy. Um, state-regulated private insurance plans will have to cover that. If, you, if your doctor requires you to have or is recommending that you get an annual prostate cancer screening, that's going to be covered without copays. If you need genetic testing to test for uh, BRCA genes, that's something to detect the risk of breast and ovarian cancers, that's going to be covered by state-regulated private insurance plans. But again, this is all, even though the law takes effect on Sunday, the really effectively insurance plans that are effective on January 1st of 24, that's when this takes effect. PrEP is a preventative drug for people who are at risk of exposure to HIV. How will state legislation make it more accessible in 2023? Well, you you hit on a really good point. um, One of the main issues about PrEP is accessibility. People just don't think that they have access to it. But now there is a bill that will allow pharmacists to write prescriptions for PrEP, and that's pre-exposure prophylaxis, and that's starting on Sunday. And really, the the impetus of this bill is they just want more people to know that this is available to them. The Illinois Public Health Association right now estimates that only one out of four people who are at high risk of contracting HIV currently have a prescription for PrEP. And this is just kind of this bill was just born of a necessity. More people need to know that this is that this is existing and this is available to them. All right, let's talk about the elephant in the room: the Safety Act. Cash bail is set to end in Illinois on January 1st, but there's been some hiccups with the judge who did a ruling a couple of days ago. I know that you've been covering this, so what is the latest? Yeah, well, you're right. The, the latest is things are things are pretty messy. So as you mentioned, a judge in Kankakee County this week ruled that the portion of the Safety Act that ends cash bail, that's the Pretrial Fairness Act, uh, he called it unconstitutional. And there are there are a few reasons for this. So Basically, the bail system is written into the state constitution right now. In Article 1, Section 9, it says, all persons shall be bailable by sufficient surety. So eliminating cash bail, the judge said, is changing bail, and therefore you're changing the constitution. And you can't do that through this kind of legislation. Basically, if legislators wanted to do this the way they did, what they would have to do is pass a constitutional amendment. It would have to go through the proper process of getting a three-fifths majority in both chambers, that it would have to go on the ballot for the voters to decide. So this is also a separation of powers issue, the judge said, because um, judges use cash bail as a means to control what goes on in their courtroom. And here's a separate branch of government coming in and trying to say what judges can do in their courtroom. They're trying to alter that. And the judge said, no, that's not going to happen. Judge Cunnington in Kankakee County also said 
that the Pretrial Fairness Act doesn't comply with the Crime Victims' Bill of Rights because it, quote, and this, these are his words, impairs the court's ability to keep people safe, end quote. So uh, basically what this means is that counties that sued don't have to abide by the law that the judge struck down. But okay. the counties that were not part of the law... Such as Cook County. This will go yeah, into in, effect in, in Cook County. I know we just scratched the surface, <laughs> Alex. There's much more that's out there. But thanks for keeping us up to speed on what we need to know come this Sunday. All right. Alex, absolutely. My pleasure. Alex Degman covers state politics for WBEC.